Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? We got quite the lineup for y'all today. Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe to Point Forward wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us on all social channels at Point Forward. As we began this episode, it only felt right to highlight the special contributions that the late Dejan Milojovic has brought to the game that we all love. Also, with the NBA trade deadline looming, what are some of the best last-minute trades in history? Having seen some of the trades this year, who do we think actually did it right? Lastly, our guest on the pod this week is the one and only Joe Fresh Goods. Now, you already know what it is. Point Forward is presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code Point Forward, because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Point Forward. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life. And that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. Of the game. It was a really tough week for the basketball community and just wanted to show love to, you know, to everybody across the basketball globe, Dejan. Milo Jovic, uh, we know him as Deki, and he had such a, such a presence, you know, within the Warriors community, within the Warriors family. And then when I went back and I watched some old highlights of him, some film on him, which was, it's always cool to see. Like Kenny Atkinson, we saw him play in co- in college. You know, just a hard nose. Like what? Uh, what was Woj's name from Duke? Woj, Wojcikowski. Yeah, that's how Kenny Atkinson played. But when I saw uh, Decky play, like, he had a crazy skill set to him. And you know, we had a tough loss. You know, with his passing over the last week. You know, I go back and give him some. I give some some data on him, you know, give you a background, you know, born in Belgrade, Serbia, April 15, 1977, which was the old Yugoslavia. Uh, he was three-time Adriatic Basketball Association MVP. Um, and that was that was my first three years in the league, which was crazy. A two-time scoring champ for that league. 
uh, three-time Yuba, which is the top-tier men's basketball league in Serbia back in the day. Yeah, he was a league champ there. Uh, Yugoslav Cup winner. Uh, also coached in Serbia. Uh, won a Serbian Cup. Won a Montenegrin Cup. And the league uh, won the league as well, 2021. Um, obviously, he won the title with us with the Warriors in 2022. Uh, he coached over 345 games in eight seasons for the Serbian team. Mega Vizera. Uh, 11 of his players that he coached actually got drafted during that time. So I think it speaks to a lot of what he what he was as a coach. And um, I'll get into the players that he um, got to the league. But he was brought to the Warriors because he was known for working with uh, working with Joker. Um, obviously, everyone knows who's a Joker. He's a former MVP. And so when we drafted... Uh, okay. James Wiseman, yeah. he had been there for two years. Wiseman had been there two years already, and then he came in maybe maybe a year or two after Wise got in the league to work with Wise. And I just remember him working with Loon, and it was a lot of just under the basket, like four feet and in, in. And he was just working on certain moves, left hand, right hand, positioning, finishing. Um, and I went back and watched some film on him. And as I'm watching film, I had like nightmare flashbacks. E.T., you speak about Donovan Mitchell as somebody's just like, listen, man, I can't guard this dude because he keep kicking me with it. He keep kicking me because his feet too big. What'd you say about <laughs> D. Mitch? <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, yeah, he bow-legged and pigeon-toe and it's, it fucked me up. Like, you know what I mean? Because every move, he step on your toes and shit. So it's like boom, 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 and then like he, and then he got big ass feet. He got like exactly. a size sixteen. So you like, hey, bro, what the fuck? Hips be switching. It, it's mad. So crazy. it brought back nightmares for me. So it was only like a couple guys in the league where I was just like, look, look, this is my kryptonite. I can't guard this dude. And a person I couldn't guard was Scola, Luis Scola, Luis Scola. Scola? I will admit, I could not guard Which this dude. So I never forget. He was posting me up and, you know, playing behind him in the post. And he just made this like he I learned how to use your 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 behind your ass for leverage and backing guys down. And for some reason, I couldn't hold my ground. He just kept bagging me down. He took like two dribbles and he just turned around and laid it up. And I, I you know, I know how to strip you on your turn when the guys, you know, face me or I can block a shot because he don't have really lift yeah. off the ground. But he scored the first time, and I'm just like, all right, I got it. Next time, it's like a switch. He did it again. I'm like, yo, I don't know what's going on. But, like, I was in, like, a blender. Like, what the hell? And i never forget Maurice Cheeks being like, young man, you going to hold your ground or do something? Like, this is way too easy. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, we spoke about Carmelo. Like, I got pride. Like, don't I'm a grown man. But I couldn't figure out how to guard Luis Scola. Like, it was just this odd, awkward game. And that's exactly what I saw with Decky watching him. And so Decky and I start having conversations. He was like, you know, like Wise is seven feet, seven foot one, however tall he is. And he was teaching him like this turnaround scoop, not a actual hook shot, but like a round scoop shot. And, and, and right, and you'll see a Joker do it sometimes. Oh, that's fine. And and I was like, what's with the like the scoop yeah, around yeah, as exactly opposed to straight about, yeah. hook? And he was like, listen, Andre, I was. I'm only 6'6", six, six, whatever, 6'7". Six, like, I'm not that tall. So most bigs I'm dealing with are taller than me. I can't get a hook shot off on them. So this hook, they couldn't block it. I just leveraged myself. And then it was an awkward shot they couldn't figure out ever. And so I just rolled with it. 
because I couldn't figure out like why are you teaching the seven. And I was like, but why is it seven feet tall? He can just hook over everybody. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to get him to get both and to help his touch out. And that was the first time I heard someone explain it in that manner. And then I figured out why I couldn't stop Luis Scola. Like in that moment, I'm like, that's why Buddy was killing me. And but from that point on, you know, it only took that one conversation. I'm like, wise, whatever this man says, like, like it's gold. Like this is your currency, his information. And so I want you to spend an hour every day with this dude. Nothing else matters. Like I know KG's your best player, your favorite player. And I'm telling Wise, yeah, like go look at that. But for right now, Decky is Decky is your Kevin Garnett. Like you only do what he says. And I could see, you know, Wise is young. And he has all this potential. And he has a million people trying to tell him different things. So I'm understanding, like, it's tough for him. And he's figuring it out. You know, I, you know, he's doing better in Detroit. You know, he's getting his minutes, and he's figuring it out. But with, with Looney, you know, it was a beautiful post Loon put up on Instagram. And Loon said, the knowledge and wisdom you gave me will be passed on, and your legacy will always be remembered. They were speaking to the, the stats Loon had before Decky and post-Decky. Now Loon getting 20 rebounds a game. The way Loon finishing, like Loon up and under is yeah. like every once in a while, a fake handoff, spin off somebody up and under, pearl left, right hand. People was like, when Loon, Loon always had this because he played like KD in, in high school, but Loon's got a, a, a post package, and I'm watching Loon yeah. do it every single day with Decky. It's like, it's incredible. Yeah, and uh, shoot, to the point where they're just showing Kawhi Looney rebounding highlights, bro. Like, he literally won y'all games. <laughs> like, besides the fact that Steph was out there by his damn self for the most part. Yes. Looney was hooping and we he was playing with illness. I just feel like when it comes down to like a lot of your mm -hmm. body parts and everything breaking down, all you can do is result with the skill and knowledge you have. And um, you know, when you sit there and it's like Loon wasn't getting at 20 rebounds once every blue moon or like a flash in the pan, that's what like other coaches had the game plan for him. But like, hey, bro, exactly. you about to change the game with 20, 21 rebounds, dog. So I mean and you wonder what got into him. Because I'm like, man, this dude, like, shoot, if he don't get a watch, then he should get a watch now. So I guess this is where Decky gets no, a watch. No, no, Decky true story. Old watch. True story because Shout out you know, to we Decky. talk about that run we went and, and we say we stole that chip. You know, it was a beautiful thing. Steph was went on a crazy run. But we always say it. It was Steph. It was it was Wiggs playing like Wiggs. You know, the number one pick Wiggs. And it was Loom. Like, it was Kevon Looney. And mm -hmm. people don't realize Loon had two full hip surgeries. Like, like hip surgeries take you out. Like, you just happy to be yeah. walking again. You talk to older guys, like, I'm going to have to get a hip replacement. But you got to wait till you're 50. And all I hear is guys 50 and over saying, Andre, do it right now. Change my life. Like, I can walk. Loon, playing, Loon getting 20 minutes, 20 rebounds in the NBA. Yeah. Now, the, the recovery is crazy quick now. Like, you're walking the, the same day, then you do your rehab. And my man was like, after a month, he's playing golf. That's why I'm like, cool, I'm trying to get there. But you, they're getting better and better with time. But if I got it, like, right now, um, about about to, you know, cross that barrier of 40, I would have to get another one at, like, 75, 80 or whatever. And you don't want to do two. You just want to do one and knock it out. And so I got to wait, like, 10 more years. Speaking of which, man, you're about to uh, you're about to become the big four O, dog. Something like that. I don't I don't do birthdays. Here you don't do birthdays, but you gotta you know accent you know or applaud being on Earth for four decades. How does that feel? 
to be like I don't know if you ever. No, made, I don't you think made so. Force, you made Force Forty under Forty, haven't you? So maybe we can try to get uh, in this week for the weekly edition. <laughs> yeah, it should, man. That's like the All American thing. Like when you miss it, it's like I dig you, bro. But you I'll remember who made it over you, and then you'll be like, "Where they you at right mean? now?" All that I know, I know what you mean. I got a couple names that I can name yeah, off for the McDonald's. No, <laughs> no, I just I got, I only got one request on my birthday. Just let me play a stress-free round of golf. Like just leave me alone, let me play golf. If I get to play 36 holes, can't can't have a better birthday. But I mean with Decky, um just speaking to some of the players that he coached um back home in Serbia that got to the league. Obviously Nikola Jokic, the Joker, MVP, you know, uh, NBA Finals MVP uh, champion, you know, doing his thing right now, and and like basketball is like his second favorite thing to horseback riding. Uh, Good job, Vasily Micic, Micic, Micic from OKC. He's doing his thing. Uh, Nemanja uh, Dugovic, uh, Timothy Luawa Kabara. Right, I remember man, he him. Like he, he, he was doing his thing. Field. He had tried to develop. He it was hit or miss, man. But you know what I mean. Not athletic yeah. enough. But he had a little six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine too, Jordan. Yeah, he was Jordan. And then one of my Say favorite name, players so is uh, that Ivaka is Zubac. That is Jordan. Hey man, he fam, he give he give Bro, us. He used to give the Warriors. Shit, he hooped how Mooney was hooping with an offensive with an offensive opportunity. That's crazy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Because it's like, bro, why can't we move this dude? Every time he catches in the paint, he make his hook shot. Like, he, it'd be like, dang, he had a he had a very meaningful 16 and Man, 8. Like, you no oh, my bro. God, he kills us. 50 Cent has said some shit like, I used to want to be a great man or whatever and da, 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 be called a great man. And he was like, when my granddad died, he was like, I realized, like, you don't get credit for that until you're gone. He said, you have to be good, good, good until you see the impact you left. And I just saying like basketball wise, but like all the people he touches, yeah. like, bro, Joker just passed MJ for like the greatest PER. And like ever, like, you know what I mean? Like you talk about like, mm. Mm. Zubach, like bro, that mm-hmm. like he was literally doing numbers, dog, like not kind of doing numbers, like going crazy. Yeah. So it's like the people, you know, who, you know, he bestows wisdom upon clearly, you know, leaps and bounds amongst others. That's crazy. For sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, other, other notable names, uh, Gogo uh, Batiste Day. I like him, too. He's doing his thing in Orlando. Orlando's been playing really well, start their season. Um, they hitting that rookie sophomore wall, whatever you want to call it, but they yeah, off to a hot so start. They, yeah. they might, they're going to make the playoffs. They're messing around and get back in the playoffs after after that quick uh, rebound. So um, to end it on, my guy, Decky, this is what the um, – this is what uh, CBS Sports um, quoted the Warriors saying, uh, yes, Milicevic is the person to credit for turning Looney into a rebounding machine. In the first six seasons of his NBA career, Looney averaged four rebounds, 1.6 offensively and 2.4 defensively in 15 minutes per game. In the 21-22 season, the same year Decky joined the coaching staff. Looney averaged 7.3 rebounds in 82 regular season games and 7.6 boards per game in our run to the fourth championship in eight seasons. Last season, 
Looney averaged career highs across the board with seven points and 63% shooting. 63% shootings, I say that again. 9.3 rebounds and 2.5 assists. While Decky helped Looney's impact on the court, it's clear their bond was even stronger off of it. And for that, Looney and Dub Nation is forever grateful. Shout out to my man, Dakey. May he rest in peace. The NBA trade deadline has become uh, not only important to NBA teams, but it's also become very cinematic, part of the NBA machine, the yearly annual machine. Uh, both offseason and midseason acquirements have shaken the basketball world and landscape. Some have been more memorable than others, but our good friends at Hoops Hype, HoopsHype.com, have ranked some of the best midseason deadline moves in NBA history. ET, let's discuss them. Um, these are ones specific to uh, the midpoint of the season and how they've affected their team. Uh, I got one that stands out, and because I, I remember it vividly. Uh, but I go in order. Number one is uh, Carmelo Anthony what trade in 2011 um, when he finally got traded from the Nuggets and he went to the Knicks. So that was like a big thing because mm-hmm. it was like Melo going to New York, obviously looking for a name and a, and, and a, and a weight to a name. Like yeah. Carmelo's coming to the city of New York. Uh, and, you know, they're always fussing about that even currently. Um, uh, yeah, shout out to uh, the yeah, King that was, of New that York. That's good for the league. His pops sure. right now. He gave me an earful not too long ago. It's pretty funny. But I, I still gave him my warm embrace. Um, so in that trade, uh, the Knicks received Chauncey Billups, uh, Anthony Carter, Ronaldo Blockman, Sheldon Williams, the Supers, who was his nickname. That was a hell of a nickname at Duke. And, and Raymond mm. Felton. Uh, the Nuggets received Wilson Chandler, Timothy Mofskov, Dalinillo Gallinari, and a first-round pick and two second-round picks. Um, thoughts on that trade? I thought it was lit. Like I said, I thought it was great for the league. You know what I mean? Like when you're sitting right there, New York needed like a bona fide star. And I know um, people forget around that time, Melo was basically, the league was kind of being played with the campaign and getting Melo out of Denver. You know, even at the All-Star game, RIP Kobe, even Kobe was like, he had to interrupt it and be like, yo, stop asking them questions like Mm -hmm. about being traded. Just let them lock in. Like it's over. Like, you know what I'm saying? I thought that was cool. I think one that people forget that it did a lot for, you end up getting Chauncey Billups, man. I, I, Chauncey Billups is able to, uh, you know what I mean? I thought it was just past Chauncey's prime too. or starting to be the beginning well. of past his prime. Um, I, I don't think he was able to really showcase what he could really do. Chauncey's one of my favorite point guards of all time. I'll, I'll always speak to who I think he's better than, but I'll leave it alone for now. Um, this, is, this one right here is one of my uh, – most memorable <laughs> trades halfway through the year. So the Ray Allen trade was big. 2002-2003 season, uh, Ray Allen went to the Supersonics for Gary Payton and Desmond Mason. Uh, the Sonics all, all also received Ronald Flip Murray from Philadelphia and Kevin Ollie, who was one of my favorite teammates. Um, and then at, in his time with the Supersonics, Ray Allen was a four-time All-Star. And uh, he had some memorable moments with, the, with, with Seattle. And before he went to Boston and they formed up and won a chip there. But but Ray Allen became Ray Allen was Ray Allen in Milwaukee, but it felt like he turned into a bigger star uh, in Seattle. And uh, it felt like it fit who he was, the city. And it just yeah. was a great match. And But it was big because Gary Payton, he was like he was he was Seattle's version of Indiana's Reggie Miller. Like he was a name like it went. So now it was yeah, synonymous like, with the with the city. So that was that one was memorable because Gary Payton yeah, got traded. Similar to like shit, even Dame yeah. Miller. 
going to Milwaukee, quite synonymous with that. And uh, shoot, with Ray Allen, even during those times, some of the coldest Jordans that came about as well. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I like that one. One that I loved was when uh, they traded uh, the Nets traded what Jason Mm -hmm. Kidd from the Nets to the Dallas Mm -hmm. Mavericks for uh, who is it? Uh, What's my name? Man's name? Darren? uh, Shit. Devin Harris. What's my man's name? He became yep. Devin Harris. Devin Harris. So basically, JK was able to get traded there. They ended up winning the 2011 uh, finals. Yes. You know what I mean? And he was guarding Brian. He was part of the reason why Brian was averaging eight, eight points. He's averaging a Draymond Green stat line. And then, um, and then what made it even more lit, because Devin Harris was one of my favorite players. Growing up in college, watching him, he's a two-time All-Star, bro. So I love, I love when that, sh- I love it when it works out best. It's almost like equivalent to what Paul George said the other day about Shea Gilgis yeah. Alexander. It's like shit. I didn't, I didn't think we needed to trade all these people, but shit, you traded basically a dude that was playing at MVP level for a future MVP player, and it's like shit. It worked out Bars. for both teams. Like, Bars. salute. Um, there's a bunch of other ones. We'll run through them real quickly. Uh, E.T., you speak a lot on this one, the Tyrese Halliburton in Sacramento, and then Sabonis, Sabonis going to sack, Halliburton going to Indiana, and then how that's worked with both teams. Both teams is like yeah. kind of like went to another level, uh, obviously, with uh, Sack doing what they've been doing, Mike Brown, coach of the year, and then with Tyrese, you know, they get to the in-season tournament championship game, and, you know, uh, it'll probably be a starter in the All-Star game. And then, you know, this this, I guess, Indiana's version of a – What's a quarterback in Mahomes? You know, father, son, that whole dynamic, Tyrese Halliburton. And then Indiana yeah. being a crazy basketball state. People basketball don't realize that because we're from the yeah. Midwest. And so there's a great appreciation. You always yeah. want to see those small market teams, fan base, you know, be able to be turned up and enjoy the game. Tim Hardaway trade was a big trade, too, going from Golden State to Miami Heat. And then what he was able to do, he got his jersey retired there, played on Dream Team 2. Or... Was he on Dream Team two yeah. or three or both? He was in a two thousand Olympic yeah, well, team, got a couple gold medals, and uh, either way, he he also too man as a short he had he scared he had the bulls on the ropes, mm-hmm. dog. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, the other big trade, Kobe Bryant was able to flap the, his wings when Eddie Jones was traded to uh, the Charlotte Hornets for Glenn Rice and B.J. Armstrong, and then Glenn Rice played a pivotal mm-hmm. role in the Lakers uh, three peat. From what was it, ninety nine to one? So that was a big thing, or ninety eight to one, whatever it was. Their three peat. Glenn Rice was doing his thing because he wore his Nauticas. I was one thing I noticed his Nautica sneakers. Oh, 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 oh! I do remember mm-hmm. that. That's crazy. So then, if we go deeper into the trade, and you look at trades, I can't. Obviously, some of these trades matter. Obviously, you see the Pascal Siakam trade. That's an all star being traded there. That's pretty, you know, a pretty big deal. But one thing. I think that occurred that the most significant trades are uh, what Bucks did this summer to get Damian Lillard, what the Celtics did this summer to go get Drew mm-hmm. Holiday, and also what did they sign for Zingas or trade for Porzingis? Porzingis came from Dallas. I think they traded for him. I think they traded for Yeah, and then like now you got James Harden and buddy PJ Tucker. The Clippers, you know what I mean? Oh, yes. But those were in the summertime, though, so are so, we counting those? No, yeah, no, definitely count them because I think it was a big-time trade, more so at the deadline, because even then, with the trades all included, I just don't – I don't see – you know what I mean? I don't see what would really occur to really make a big difference. Do you want to put Pascal Siakam 
to see how much they moved up into title contenders or D'Angelo Russell and Rui going to Atlanta. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, those would be interesting too if they go through. Yeah, but, but the, none of, I don't think I don't think yeah, any of those change the title odds though. Like I don't see anyone leveling up to go against what do you call them? Your incumbents, which are your Boston's. You know your Phillies doing well right now. Milwaukee, and then you got you know out west. You got uh, Phoenix is starting to kind of figure it out. Feels like, but it's two the two headed monster out west is Denver and the Clippers. Yeah, but and that's, that's what I'm saying. So. Even regards to if you don't even break down the trades, what would the trades, if you think about it, our DraftKings, uh, our DraftKings odds? Let's look at the before the trade with Damian Lillard for the Bucks before the trade, like the DraftKings championship odds. Uh, before the trade, they had with Drew Holiday and the Celtics and James Harden. So let's look at those odds before, after the trade, and today. Yeah, with Damian Lillard and the Bucks uh, before the trade, they were plus eight fifty. Um, after the trade, they were plus 425 which is a huge jump but today they're at plus 475 so from going from plus 425 to plus 475 they've slid a little bit you know it's not it's, they're not as favored as they were after the trade but they are heavily more favored since before he was traded there um, drew holiday and james harden um they both have similar effects where before the trade after the trade and even today, the odds have gotten better. So those trades have worked in favor in terms of the odds. So with Drew Holiday and the Celtics before the trade, they were at plus 450. After the trade, they're at plus 400. And today, they're at plus 300. The James Harden, P.J. Tucker, Clippers deal before the trade, they were plus 1,700. After the trade, they were plus 1,200. And as of today, they're plus 900. But I think they'll continue to trend in a similar direction where they're going to be more favored as the months go on. Mm. I like, like that. I can't wait. I can't tell. I can't wait till the springtime to like the final yeah. four teams are done. That's when basketball is really fun. Hopefully it's a team in LA. That'll be a fun excuse to get out there and go and go check it for out. Sure. You know for sure. For sure. Hop, skip and a jump away. The NBA season is in full swing. And when I can't get enough of the action on the court, I spice things up. Betting on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers bet $5 and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code point forward. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NBA and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code point forward. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort, Kansas, 21 and older. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, y'all. We're back with another segment of Heard Um Say. Our newly added segment this week, some rumblings come from some of our former peers, actually. Mm. It was a couple of things that popped up this past week. Um, Paul Pierce had a very interesting statement he made this past week. <laughs> uh, I don't even I don't know if we want to discuss this because it's like I think it's just a personal beef. But Paul said that uh, after Udonis Haslam got his jersey retired and everyone was showing respects to it, Paul Pierce said, uh, come on, fam. This is a given. You said what? Paul Pierce said that 
to Udonis Haslam underneath his Instagram post of his jersey being retired. Retired, he said, "Come on, fam. This one, I felt like this one was a given, as if they just it wasn't earned or it wasn't in the realm of the typical jersey retirement mm-hmm. requirements." That's crazy. You think he was joking or he was for real? Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness have come together for the ultimate drop a limited edition collection to celebrate Hennessy's continued partnership with the NBA. Because some things just go together, like Evan and myself. Hey, man, man. Remember when we met back in the day at Tim Grover's attack facility? Mm-hmm. I think it was like 08. I was finishing up my freshman year, and you were about to prepare to get that bag, right? Yes, my extension year. We met in 08. In 2010, we fast-forwarded to be each other's teammates. Mm-hmm. I obviously thought I was better than you. Then the first day of practice, I go baseline. And you, you Brian blocked my shot before that Brian. That was a good block, G. <laughs> bro, I remember that, that. Bro, that was an amazing block. I'm looking like, bro, what just happened back there? And then I'm like thinking something, like talking to my agent. Like, bro, you just said I was better than this <laughs> Look, on the court, you're surrounded by a collection of personalities, egos, and talent. But when the pieces come together, that's when you form a great team. The same thing is true when you mix a great drink. Different ingredients come together for the first time, complementing one another to make something out of this world. And beyond the drinks, this drop with Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness celebrates the intersection of basketball with art, music, and fashion. Elements of culture that represent ways the fans and players pay homage to the game. The exclusive collection will have a limited drop available for both in retail and online. Check out at Hennessy US on Instagram for more information. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Paul was what, dead serious. What do you think about that? Like, because there's certain levels of stuff. Because at the end of the day, you died us through the whole build of it, like brick by yeah. brick type situation. Especially, uh, you know, through a bulk of the games, and it's it, it's a testament to a lot of uh, bruisers as well. Mm-hmm. And speaking of like, look at the Bruce Brown situation. He didn't go nearly as long pause as you died but you know what I mean. He still won multiple. Bruce Bowen, yeah, Bruce Bowen, or Bruce Brown, yeah, Bruce Bowen. Yeah, Bruce Bowen. Yeah, but I'm just cool. saying, like, when you look at it, he also got his shirt to retire. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, even when you talked about it with uh, Dwayne Wade, and he was, you were saying, like, man, I think there needs to be levels and certain type of uh, levels to what the Hall of Fame is. So, like, mm-hmm. for instance, you could be arguing that when it's all said and done, Looney should be getting his jersey retired. Mm-hmm. Or like a Ring of Honor type thing. I guess that's a different layer to it. But I'll break it down like this for you, Donis. Because, yes, Bruce Bowen has his jersey retired. And I used to always think about, like, what he meant to the team. It's always going to be that guy that sacrificed for his jersey being retired for the for the better of the team. Yeah. And the team will get – you, you have to have someone like that to get over the hump. 
And for Udonis to be there from the beginning to the end. Udonis was there before LeBron got there. Yeah. And he was a part of that championship. Uh, Udonis was one of those guys on the court where he had a presence. And we saw what happened to Tyler Hansborough when he thought he could foul Dwayne Wade hard. You know? Yeah. And... and uh, there's been conversations about two of the toughest guys in the NBA going nose to nose. And I heard a lot about that interaction. David West. Speaking on David West and Udonis Haslam. Um, I'm also speaking to Boston was up 3-2 oh, yeah. on the Heatles before they got their first chip. When they went to that series and they beat OKC 4-1, they were down 3-2 to Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. And... Some was some it was some grumblings that this might be Spo's last game coaching ever. I do remember after that. we just after we just spoke on him signing his deal last week and you know the proceedings that had to be finished before he did that. But Udonis was a part of that. You also speak on I was in the locker room and I was there throughout for the 90 day, 92 days we were in the bubble, the presence that Udonis had. And then they just went to the finals again last year. And so Udonis has been to the finals a good they they won three, they lost three. No, they lost four. So he's been to the finals seven times. And he was the constant in all those. LeBron hadn't been there seven times with the Heat. D. Wade hadn't been there seven times with the Heat. Um Shaq hadn't, and neither had Chris Bosch. So there's something to say about that. And I I'll say it like this. When you when you understand Pat Riley, mm-hmm. you understand uh, you understand that he has a a loyalty to his guys. If the New York Knicks would have won a championship, Patrick Ewing's name jersey wouldn't be the only jersey to get retired. Charles Oakley jersey probably would have got retired. Anthony Mason's jersey probably would have got retired, and John John Stark's jersey probably would have got retired. All right, that's real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and he was, and, and also too, Udonis Hassan was also like a bodyguard for Spo and for the culture and, and for Riley. Yeah, yeah, but but Udonis Haslam is a leading all time franchise leading rebounder. Oh it, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, 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 true, true, true. I and, mean, that's, and, and, that's a lot. With, with, yeah, that's a yeah, lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we used to, we used to, yeah, we used to get on Bam. We used to be like. Bam, you got to be the one that go get Udonis rebounding. Like, UD would be on Bam. Like, Bam, you supposed to come get this record. Like, you you got me by three or four inches, and you got me by ten inches in vertic- verticality. Yeah, yeah. So go and get, go a, get this. Man, man, yeah. Like, how many players do we know? We speak about this all the time. How many guys do you know that was your teammate and is pulling for you to break their record? You don't see that in sports. Yeah, that's rare. That's, that's rare now. No, that's rare. It's a culture, though, and that's why, man, that's big time. That's big time. And, and so it's and, – and sometimes it's like, what? The, what's the saying go? This was a saying a couple of years ago. Uh, what's understood doesn't need to be spoken. Yeah. And I think that's part of heat culture, too. Like, you don't understand this, and it ain't for you to understand. But Buddy Jersey going up in the Raptors, as it should be. That's real. That's real. I mean, at the, at the same time, I think when it comes down to competitive nature, let's mm-hmm. give Paul his credit as well. Everybody talks about – how Pat was a competitive son of a bitch and all these people. Like, shit. A lot of people get mad because Paul's amongst one of 25 people on earth that can gatekeep. Yeah. 
So, like, when it comes yes. down to it, people speak on this and the third. And it's like, man, who the hell is Paul Pierce? And say like, it's Paul Pierce, dog. Like, he just said what the fuck he said. Like, <laughs> and he'd been saying what he said amongst great rates for forever. He was the only one saying Brown one shit. Yeah, he was saying he been saying that for. He told me that in the All Star game one time. The only All Star game I made, Paul was just you know it was coming out to the end, and it was a close game, and we needed a bucket or something happened, and I, I think LeBron didn't take the last shot or something, and Paul was next to me. He's like, "See, that's why I keep trying to tell y'all he ain't it." I'm just like, "Yo, this dude is this dude crazy," but it's like you're saying. I have to remind people how good Paul Pierce was. Like, listen, it was a, it was only a few people I had to circle on my calendar to be like, all right, we're going to sleep tonight and we're watching some extra film. And Paul might have been top two or three on my list. It was it was it was Mellow Kobe, obviously Bron, but I'm talking about from like strictly scoring because LeBron can just do so much. Like you just gotta be like, I don't even put him in that category. LeBron's separate. But like Kobe Mello and Paul Pierce, I had to be like, listen. This dude is going for 40 tomorrow, and I need to be ready. And they could do it on command. Like, Paul Pierce is one of those dudes, like, I'm giving you 40 tonight, and he could do it. It, it, ain't, it ain't a handful of guys that can actually do that. It really yeah. ain't. No, that's real. He's the truth. He's the truth. That's a statement. So this is an interesting conversation. and uh, But, I mean, like, I don't think Udonis is expected to go to Hall of Fame, but 100% deservedly should go up in the Raptors because it's Tim Hardaway and Alonzo Mourning are up there. Yeah, true. Uh, Chris Bosh is up there. D-Way's up there. LeBron Dan is going to be interesting. Michael Jordan. Dan Marino. Dan Marino is Michael Jordan. But from the he guys, like Udonis is synonymous with he culture and he accomplished everything that needed to be accomplished in the game of basketball. Like longevity, championships, battle-tested, sacrificing. Because low-key, like, no one talks about this, but LeBron was at the beginning of that, you know, four-out, one-in basketball. And, you know, he needed those three shooters and then one guy low. And I think Udonis has the, had to suffer the brunt of that. And he and it's the biggest part of it all. Udonis might have sacrificed, like, 30, 40 million. Back yeah. then, 30, yeah. 40 million yeah. was a whole lot. That's like yeah. somebody sacrificing 70, 80 million today. No, that's real. You're absolutely right, man. He did a lot for the culture and then yeah. stick with the bigger picture. So, and when you talk about some of the great players, at the end of the day, if they stamp you, that's all that matters. Correct. Yeah, that's true. And, and his teammates did. So, and, he, and, and I will, I, I got to add this and one. Udonis was like, fuck Bill Russell, because it's like the, the Heat Celtics thing. And it wasn't meant at Bill Russell. It was more so meant at Paul and KG. So you take that in context. Paul is coming with the similar sentiments. You know, yeah. had they be had they been someone else on another team, Paul might not have had similar to say. Those matchups, those are definitely worth it. Yeah, Rondo and Paul Pierce get, trying to break each other's arm. Game six at the Garden, LeBron. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rondo yeah. goes against 40. They lead the game early. Don't shake hands. Yeah. Remember the the final minute? Brian goes off. Hits, uh, hits eight. In Miami. Yeah, scores the last minute. He gets the steal, and he looks back before he takes off and dunks it, like, taunts. Like, yeah. I mean, the shit was. Yeah. I mean, that was a turned-up yeah. minute, too, G. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was, it was turned. <laughs> Bro, them niggas was turned, dog. Brown was different. Bro, Brown was looking bro, like MJ. I'm coming to get you. Bro, the whole world was shaking when he, bro, he had two threes and came and got this steal. 
Yeah. Bro, that shit looked dumb, G. That shit looked yeah. dumb. Well, shoot. Brian like a god. He did. He, that day he did, bro. That was a turn. That was a turn 30 minutes. That, that was a turn like one minute, bro. You get chills going back and watching it today. No, that's real, bro. And it, it, you want to know what's different that I think Paul also, for, probably I comprehend when Paul loses his patience. You know, Paul will talk shit to the coldest and like dance with the devil and like laugh and smile. You understand what I'm saying? So like yeah, what he, he naturally got compared to when they be like, maybe he tries to say Brian isn't a dog or whatever. It's like, nah, sometimes if you tell me, Brian had a lot on his shoulders where he had to like really grow up and overcome in front of people. And like, true story. Talent don't matter as much as your mind developing and maturing. So sometimes where it seemed like he fell short or like messed up, I think sometimes I think Paul would challenge that and be like, is he really a dog? And it's like, there are certain moments like that that really show Brian's maturity. Like to go up against, bro, Paul Pierce is the truth. To take out Paul yeah. Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Rondo, yeah. like you gotta be, like shit, you, the average motherfucker, yeah, you can't Southern take them, bro. That, bro, Paul is a crazy motherfucker. Do you remember we were blowing, beating their ass and he was still talking shit, bro? Yeah. <laughs> down 30, he gets fired. He said, man, I mean, the fuck these weekends, niggas. It's like, bro, you down 30 and we beat y'all three times this year, fam. <laughs> we beating the shit out y'all at this point. <laughs> like, it don't look good. Like, ass yeah. doc. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. but like, Paul is a dog, bro. And when you go back to Boston and shit, like, even shout out to Andy, Andy Mannix. When I always ask, like, Larry, this person, that person, he's like, man, Paul Pierce is pretty good. I'm like, over KG, he's like, bro, Paul. I'm like, the great yeah. South, he's like, bro, Paul. And he don't even hesitate. Andy's an Irish dude from Boston. Well, it's Larry Bird. It's Larry Bird, but I don't... Nah, I, it's bro, like... bro, bro, this, bro, this is what I said. I said, bro, over Larry said, bro, I'm not going to lie. I could be bugging, but he's like, Paul was like that, bro. He said, there's nothing like Paul, bro. He's a... He's like, he's a fucking superstar. He's like, he never got any credit. And he's the nicest. He's like, as a kid, anybody came in, Paul was giving them 45. He's like, and yeah. that's, he's like, that's just Boston not getting love. He's like, Paul was like that everywhere. Bro, that's all the, the equipment managers, G. They swear up and down. J- I, I, I might have to, I, I ain't mad at that. Bro, JJ, this is the funniest thing. JJ argued one day, he, he's arguing with dudes. It's like, Paul, Paul, Paul's one of the best of the time. This and the third. So dudes from the other teams like, man, man Paul wasn't like that. So one day, I was in, uh, it was like 2015. 2015, like 2016 around there. So JJ's going back and forth talking about like how good Paul is. So certain dudes are like, I mean, he was cold, but he wasn't like one of the best like guards of the generation, like wings in the generation. And they was like, yes, he was, bro. Anybody that ever came in, he gave him 40. He would go on scoring tears. He's like, he just wasn't athletic and it wasn't as sexy. But he's like, Paul Pierce was the truth. He's like, even when, when when KG got here, Paul was a dog. He was the man. He's like, he could be advertised either other way. He's like, K, like, Paul was a man. He's like, he never backed down or feared nothing. So like, we took out the Lakers, everything, man. That Avery Bradley step up and said, uh-uh, but not when that boy came in here. <laughs> So they said, not when that boy came in here and JJ was like, who? Number six? He said, no, Paul was scared of shit. He was hurt. He, he, he was hurt. But, like, I guess, like, he was talking about when, when Brian took yeah, off but, and went crazy. Man, but you can't stop a nigga like yeah, Brian when he got to look like that. That leads us eyes, to a bro. whole, we opening up a whole nother can of worms because, because the Miami, that Miami mm, Heat mm, culture, mm. I don't know what, 
that that relationship is like with Bron. But LeBron said, you know, I did this, but the Heat coach was like, nah, we had to we had to show you how to do it. Like we had to show you because your boy Isaiah Thomas, what did he say? LeBron James didn't have the tutelage that all the other greats before him had. Like a great college coach, you know, like a main name or a great coach coming into the league, like a Phil yeah. Jackson, you know. Isaiah and and MJ has 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 their things, but like Isaiah said it himself. He's like, you know, I had Chuck Daly. Like we've all had these great coaches, these great tutelage to help us grow. Bob Knight, the whole thing. Yeah. He was like, Bron didn't have that. Bob Knight, yeah. But there's always a but. When you go that heat culture and you got you Pat Riley, he show you the way, or he show you something you may never have seen before. It says something. And we saw that we saw what happened in LeBron's first final series. And then we seen LeBron yeah. go into beast mode that summer and come back fully equipped. And he ain't had no problem since. Point forward. Our next guest for this show is one of my favorite clothing designers from back at the crib, back home in Chicago. And then we actually were able to film this at a rooftop overlooking a dope skyline of our uh, of Chicago. So it made this episode even more special to be able to, you know, have a shy state of mind and be able to, you know, talk fashion with one of uh, the dopest clothing designers who's really setting a tone for the culture. And uh, without further ado, we'd like to introduce Joe Fresh Goods. What's up, y'all? Andre Godala back with another episode of Point Forward Podcast. Y'all know me. Y'all know my main man, Evan Turner. Yo, yo. Uh, we are in Chicago. This is our first episode. From a penthouse. Inside, outside. Yeah, Outside, basically. inside. Yeah, basically. And um, we, we, we've been into fashion for quite some time. So, you know, if you watch the episodes, you see what Evan has on. Uh, depending on my mood some days, you might see what I have on. Uh, but throughout my career, fashion has been a big part of who I am and how I define myself. Evan can speak to that as well. Um, but something that's been interesting the last couple years, I would say around the pandemic, I was wearing New Balance a lot. 96s. Yes. You're going 96 crazy. That's all I was wearing. Yeah. Today I didn't because it just didn't, the silhouette. But <laughs> you've seen a lot of guys in the league wearing New Balance and how New Balance has uh, made uh, re-entry into basketball. Uh, with the likes of Kawhi Leonard, uh, you got um, Dewante Murray. Dewante Murray. We got another Chicago Bull too. Uh, Zach Levine yeah. doing his thing, going yeah. crazy. Uh, we got my kid, and uh, we got another kid too. Oh, he got traded from the Clippers. Darius Baisley. Darius Baisley's yeah, been doing it. So, um, all that to say, you know, our culture uh, has done a unique job of taking what we feel like are restrictions and turning them into a crazy creativity. We talked about the NBA dress code. Um, you see how I just saw a commercial with Google the other day, the Pixel phone with the WNBA yeah. and how they coming into the arenas and what you're wearing that game. NBA, all the players are really, really like going into like expressing themselves through fashion. And I'm speaking about New Balance because there's one person in particular, uh, the world a lot of the world knows, but the NBA fans in the world, that NBA world may not know as much. Y'all welcome Joe Robinson, a.k.a. Joe Fresh Goods from Chicago to the show. Thank you for having me. So, Joe, I got a, <clears throat> thanks for pulling up. I got a question. I, I once re I heard you say, uh, I'm an influencer, but I'm not an influencer. So who does Joe Fresh Goods identify as when it comes down to it? Uh, you know, it's funny because 
I don't really like to be identified as like one. I hate entrepreneur sounds very bland, um, creative. I think now I'm starting to like really, uh, I'm starting to hit my stride with just like storytelling. I think um, I was just doing an interview a couple weeks ago, but I consider myself like a poet that just make merch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's really just like, I'm a writer that people are just buying the stuff that go with the things that I'm writing. You know what I'm saying? So entrepreneur, all that stuff, duh, duh, whatever. But I like to consider myself like a, a poet nowadays. Yeah. So take us back to the beginning. I know you're from the Austin area. Yeah. You went to Michelle Clark High School, right? No, no, no. I just I just did a... Uh, okay, you did yeah, a store there. Went to Lane Tech. Okay. Yeah, oh, Lane yeah. Tech. Oh, Lane okay, Tech. Lane yeah, I was a little Tech. smart. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. They can't hoop for shit. But they can't hoop for shit. <laughs> yeah. So take us back to what it was like growing up on the West Side and, you know, the yeah. early days of Joe Freshgood and, you know, what really helped you become who you are today? Yeah, I mean, the West Side is very special. Um, Chicago is very segregated, so I didn't really grow up having a reason to really go to the South Side. Um, it was just downtown was a really big experience, but like West Side, Austin area, it was just like, we called it L-Town, everywhere yeah. I was from. Um, but I mean, it's all the things that I do now is inspired by that time in life, you know? Um, I think what really kickstarted for me um, is being a high school, uh, camera I started to, pink was a, a thing. Yeah, um, I didn't really know where to buy the things that I was looking for. It, it, it just wasn't available in the marketplace. It was just like Sean John, it was like a little bit Fat Farms kind of dying, but it was like those urban brands. Yeah. But I wanted something that was a little bit more like from the neighborhood that I can do. So um, I couldn't find anything that was like pink. So I started like making like tees on pink t-shirts. Used to go to the beauty supply press on, iron on t-shirt, and I would go to school and wear it and sell it, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I started. It was just like, I, I saw something that didn't exist and I wanted to kind of create it. Yeah. What what age did you make your first piece? Or I'm 14. 14, yeah. so you started selling everything at school at 14? I started wearing it and then, I would say sophomore year of high school, yeah, okay. I started like selling out the locker. So what was the steez besides the pink, what was the style back then early in the days? That really, you know, that's set the tone. Era. Were you dressing different than you were now? Or were you still kind of somewhat really in a box? Or you had the Jabos? Yeah, all that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, all that. It's just, um, and then parents couldn't afford everything I wanted. Yeah. So it's just like, I wanted to look fly, but on a budget. So I remember going to the uh, beauty supply, buying like bandanas, getting it like embroidered on, sewn on my jeans, little stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but um, no, it just, it, it was one of those things where I just, um, I wanted to feel unique and I started to develop my own personal style and people, you know, start fucking with it. So, you know, as an athlete, you know, and this is why I'm kind of making that parallel because we get a lot of questions, you know, um, JJ Reddick, who I'm a big fan of, you know, I think there is some of that in the game of basketball where guys, they more worried about what they wear into the game than the actual game or the game plan but it is an expression of who you are, who we are and where we come from. So how were, when did you first realize, like this is who I wanna be and this is how I'm gonna express myself and did you think the wave was coming from you expressing yourself and other people kind of following that? You know what, I don't think it was just one moment. I'm very hard on myself as a creative. So I like, every time I get like a little win or something sell out, I'm always on to the next one. It's been happening my whole life. So like, I'm so hard on myself. Like I have, <clears throat> I think when I started, I work. I started working at Leaders. Well, I started working at Fashion Geek. Fashion Geek. 
Passion geek. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like I really did my like I put in my my hours. Thousand hours, yeah. Um, but I started working at Fashion Geek and I started working at Leaders and I just started to like meet new people. Uh, Wayne Tech was big, but like I think when I started working at these stores, started working at Nike Town. Um, at the same time, I was throwing parties, so I was just like networking and yeah. just building a whole network of people and supporters and just like you know had a voice in Chicago. Um, it's just one of those things where I feel like um, over time, um, I just started getting comfortable. I remember as Chicago hip hop was taking off, you had Chance, Chief Keith, like Rocky Fred, a lot of my homies, I was just like, I was just giving everybody clothes. When they, people came in town, I would give them shit. Um, so it, every three months, it was a, when I turned 21, I would say, every three months I was putting out something new and it was like catching fire. Well, it was the first time things were going viral in it. Um, a lot of stuff that I did, I'm not that proud of now because it's just streetwear and fashion and such. It's, we, had, we had a different time. Yeah. I was putting like, fuck bitches on T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that that's just like, God damn, I hate my old work now as an adult, but that type of stuff was like new in the marketplace back then. Right. I was using things that was like relevant in time and like instantly putting it on a T-shirt. Yeah. So you go back to that moment because originally one of your biggest brands, Don't Be Mad. Yeah. Was kind of like a diss to. Yep, yep. Did your homework. Yeah. I yeah. know you do that. Hey, yeah. I know that, man. I mean, true. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah, but we go into that story. Don't be mad. Originally, was a diss towards, uh, what's it, the dope? Dope Couture. They dope don't couture. exist no more, so it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Joe dealing with legal issues is part of my brand DNA. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, in streetwear, when you get a cease and desist, that that's like a badge of honor. That means like this brand is worried about my little Chicago ass. So mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, the cease and desist is ultimately like stop making it. Yeah. It's different types of cease and desist where they'd be like, we want to check your books, see how much you sold and really be on that with you. But um, I, the name of my brand was called uh, Dope Magic. Um, and I was just on Facebook. I was making Facebook videos showing people how you can take $200 package the shit up like drugs and flip it. And it was like a, it was, it, it was, it was crazy. I was doing it like that now. Cause I was kind of bringing people into my world. Yeah. Um, drug references aside, it was just like, I was just trying to show kids how to re Now I, as an adult, I was just trying to show people how you can reinvest in yourself and kind of, you know, flip that. Um, but the name of the brand was Dope Boy Magic. And uh, it was a brand at the time called Dope Couture that was kind of busting uh, in LA. And um, you see me a season assist. I thought my career was over. Cause at the same time, I had made a tie-dye hoodie that had Doorway Magic like box yeah. logo. Chan's career was bubbling, so he had his first video. He had it on. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the industry yeah. like had this fucking tie-dye hoodie. Yeah. So that was like my piece that was kind of paying my bills as a 23-year-old. Right. And this one person, this brand was like, oh, you can't use that word no more. I was super confused because I was just like, how can you own a, a, a word? Right. But he had money, so you, you know he had the lawyers to fight all that stuff. So. Um, I couldn't fight it at the time, so I just pivoted and called. I changed the name of the brand to Don't Be Mad, which is like a slight at him, but it was still the acronym of DBM. Yeah. And it caught fire, you know? You said something earlier when you were talking about, uh, you know, pushing out some of your clothing and, you know, kind of trying to show the youth now that you're older, trying to articulate you're showing the youth, like, now everybody's going to be a basketball player, everybody's going to be, you know, a rapper, but you still be stay at home and be an entrepreneur. And mm -hmm. I think one thing that you said was like, my mission is to show people that I'm, I don't have to run in New York or LA yeah. to get popping. Mm -hmm. So talk about some of that journey and that brand and why you're so confident in the city of Chicago. Because most of your, most of your, you know, most of your 
installments and everything in collections is kind of Chicago based and it's kind of telling the stories about, you know, out west dudes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think ultimately, uh, I would like to think that I represent that kid in the room that I didn't really get no major fashion cosigns. And I'm trying to watch my words because I just be dissing people. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to stop. But for real though, like I was looking at this complex list of like uh, top designers or some shit like that. And it had me number 16. I was like, damn, I was over like, you know, lists for t-shirts and stuff though. But like, you know, and I really like, as I get old, I'm really shy and bashful because it's just like, I'd rather be like an underground rapper for the rest of my career. I don't really want to blow up because when you want to, when you blow up, your shit is in all these stores. I'm like really Nah, that's real, that's real, like Tom Brown type shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But I I think my first time going to Paris, I was in a store called Colette and they did like a Colette Bait collab and Mm -hmm. it was like, it was like all the city tees. It was like a Miami Bait Colette t-shirt. It was LA, it was all the brands, but I didn't see Chicago. It was like, it was like 10 cities around the world, but it wasn't Chicago. And I was like, that little moment right there was just like, oh, I gotta stay in Chicago. I think, um, you know, fast forward to now, it's just like, um, I still live in Chicago, you know, like when I meet with brands, they either come to me to meet or I go to, you know, it's just that I like, like I said, I like to think that I'm the guy in the room that that got in the room without like major cosigns, still stayed in his hometown, still give back, hiring with hiring within the community. You hear about these stories about people getting Hollywood and just like changing up and that's like the super opposite. I'm very conscious of like making sure that I continue to give back to the city that helped me out. Hey there, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast. And yes, we are in the thick of the college hoop season. Our pod runs at least three times a week and covers everything you need to know. From the power conference team to the mid-majors, the scoops, the stories, game predictions, previews, huge recaps, everything. We cover it all. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your pods. Now on the other side of that, do you think it's hindered you in any way oh, and sure. how have you been able to overcome that i mean i'm just really comfortable which could hinder too. <laughs> no no lie because i get a taste of the coastal situations where i do pop-up shops yeah you have the, like chicago we're not really a celebrity-based city so like i'm really like you know based in like you know the neighborhood and like people support but like i do a pop-up in new york it'd be crazy numbers that celebrity support is different LA is the same thing. So like, you know, I try not to think about what ifs, you know what I'm saying? That's why I travel as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I've, I've afforded the life to be able to just be able to travel whenever I want to. Um, but, you know, I really just want those kids to see that they can make it here. But again, like we don't have Chicago don't really have a really big um, industry for fashion. Yeah. So like a lot of the jobs, that's a good example. Like yeah. as I'm trying to scale my business, a lot of the jobs that around that I need for my business that's growing, we don't have that in Chicago. Like that talent pool of don't exist here like that. You know what right. I'm saying? So it hinders a little bit, but we just try to find a ways to, you know, get around. Yeah, but with your talent pool, you went from leaders and you started Fat Tiger Workshop. Yep. yep. And uh, you know, obviously you got Rello, you got mm-hmm. Vic, you have uh, some great creatives. So yep. talk about what that was like it starting, you know, not only Staying in Chicago, but putting your first store up in Chicago and literally, you know, in the neighborhood and doing some of the craziest drops. When you go up in, I'm sorry, in Fat Tiger Workshop, when you used to go up in there, things would be so crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether it be the beauty supply situation or 
Sometimes you come up in there and be sand up in that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Fat Tiger so, was like college. Yeah. I didn't go to I didn't go to school. I didn't finish college. So I knew I wanted to own my own business. I didn't really know how. I didn't really know about business licenses. I didn't I just know that I did a pop-up shop at my homie gift uh my homie tattoo shop. This is before Fat Tiger. I did like a DBM uh pop-up shop at my homie tattoo shop. And I remember making like 12 grand in like an hour. And for me, again, this was like 24. Yeah. That just like, oh, like, oh, damn, I got to be, I got to have brick and mortar. So for me, it was just like, I got to really shake people's hand, do these pop-up shops. I, I just didn't know how fast that could be a thing. So that kind of was like for me. Um, and then all my friends, we all have different things we were doing. Yeah. So we're just like, well, we might as well combine these forces and yeah. create Fat Tiger. And Fat Tiger was like, obviously we closed. I think we Put in eight years. Yeah. How's uh, I come up with that name? I always wonder. You know, that's shout out to Vic. Vic Lloyd, my okay. big brother. Um, we How wanted a name that didn't sound like a store. Yeah. Sometimes black <laughs> people be calling this shit like something styles. Or yeah, something. Yeah. We got yeah. terrible name <laughs> shit. So it's just like we wanted a name that didn't make no sense, but it yeah. made sense to us and it can just like kind of stand the test of time. Was a conversation ever to put the store on Madison and Pulaski or no? And what, and what is we obviously you come to Chicago. You got Magnificent Mile and all the dope stores for where us black people we correlate and we're accepted is you grow I struggle up with that, Evan. Why? Um, because I don't want to get in trouble. It's just sometimes like right now my store is in West Loop. Yeah. And it's just like it they print they rent crazy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like I think all retailers it's hard to like put stores in certain areas. Yeah. I try to make sure I'm accessible, you know, but it's just and also too, I want to stunt. Just to be <laughs> to be real with you. Yeah. To be real with y'all. Like for real. Like I think for me being a black owned business, obviously, and I do a lot of stuff for the community, so I don't want nobody to hold that over me. Right. I would love to open up a store where I'm from. It's just for me, I look at myself like a Batman of Chicago. So I have all these, without name dropping, I'm trying to do a better job of that, but you got all these million dollar, billion dollar <laughs> stores from different cities starting to come to Chicago. They go into the, these neighborhoods. I'm trying to basically just set up shop around them kind of show them that somebody in the, the, uh -huh. that's from Chicago yeah. can pay that same rent as y'all. Yes, yes, yes. But like, and not, and so it's just a little yes, different. Like, it's just like, in a couple of years, things might change, but also I just got, you know, I just have to pay attention to the, the, the climate. What do everybody feel comfortable going towards? Um, but yeah, I, I wish I could have a store in Madison Pulaski, yeah. but nah, I can't nah, do that. I, I can't hey, do that. Hey. No, I, I want to, um, you know, cause there's, it's, you talk about keeping black culture, black culture, mm -hmm. right? And that was like near and dear to me. And so I want to move towards, you know, the wave you created for New Balance. Mm -hmm. And if you look through our history and you know how you say, you got to be careful of how you word things and yeah. say things. Yeah. I was in Chicago in 2004 when yeah. I got drafted yeah. and I was spending my summers here. So I saw, you know, saw leaders, mm -hmm. you know, obviously. Um, and so I, I know the folks over there uh, you know, uh, Bobby Simmons mm -hmm. opened up a store, yeah, success. Yeah. Yeah, success. Uh, you know, my brother, Kendall Hearns, yep, yep, you know, he yep. was the one that was making the rounds. Mm -hmm. You know, my homegirl AZ was showing me like, you go here, you do this. Like, cause I'm still trying to find my identity at 20 years old. Yep. Trying to, I'm from Springfield, Illinois, and we always look up to Chicago. So I'm trying to fit in without getting hit upside the head. Cause y'all always cracking jokes on us, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm going through my maturation, just the, the city of Chicago. And so I'm seeing how it's coming up. And so I'm saying all that to say, you know, I know what made Jordan hot again. Yeah. You know, you know, our guys, Don C and them, you know, uh, who were uh, uh, easy. 
easy to you know yeah. someone who was hot you know i saw and then i saw what made adidas hot mm-hmm. you know i seen you know what made just made louis vuitton hot again yeah, wherever yeah. he went you know yeah. so i can say virgil's name you know but yeah. we're making these we're bringing back these american staples yeah. or these global staples by putting our twist on it mm-hmm. and i think uh, we're, we're getting our just due, but it can be taken away from us sometimes. So I want to move to, you know, what you've been able to create at New Balance and just go back to how it first came about and then how it's, you know, taken off. Um, yeah, well, hopefully I worded that right. Yeah, no, you did. Okay. You did. Um, well, first off, I want to say that I've been signed to Adidas. I've been signed to Converse. I've been signed to Vans. The Vans was dope. Vans is crazy. Vans is crazy. Sometimes when I say I got imposter syndrome, it's just like, how the fuck did I get on the radar? Because again, I'm not like Kanye didn't put me on. I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? Just right, right. all due respect. I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to set it on some slight shit. Yeah. It's really just working hard and just kind of staying rooted. I don't really come from like a family of besides my friends and what we've been able to do in mm-hmm. Chicago. I'm like, damn, how the fuck did they find me? You know, it's been like that all the time. So yeah. Um, again, just trying to do a better job of not dissing other brands on camera. Um, me being signed, I have a, I have experience with contracts. I have experience with what I want and what I don't. But at the end of the day, a nigga getting their own shoe, that's what a lot of us want yeah. in, in my world. So it's, for me, it's just like, I remember when I signed with Adidas, I signed in a lobby of a hotel without a lawyer. Because mm-hmm. it was like, bro, I don't give a fuck what y'all paying me. I'm finna get my own shoe. Right. What I got to look at the paperwork for, which is like <laughs> dumb, but most, if you, it's hard to talk to certain people that haven't, it's just like, so I, I know that sounds very ignorant, but no, it's just like, it's not I'm like, give me the papers. Yeah, Lawyer? Yeah. Nah, bro. Signed out of line. I just made sure certain stuff looked good, but it was just like, I get my own shoe. I, I don't hoop. Clearly, I don't fucking hoop. Um, I, I'm like not in New York, LA. I'm like, so that boom and it went terrible um and i learned a lot i think being with them and seeing a big uh roster of all the names they had this was like 2019 or 2018 when i signed with adidas half real beyonce uh yeezy push a t and it was just like i just felt like when y'all gonna drop my album you know what i'm saying like i know i got some heat but you know so i felt like i was kind of put to the back burner and it's like there were a lot of brands but with New Balance, I didn't know what to expect, which I think for me, I, that's how I like start uh, approaching collaborations now. I like working with brands that you just, it's no, it's no it's, it could be connection, but it's just like, this is my view of this brand that's been around for hundred years. Yep. And that's how I check New Balance. Um, I didn't go in there with no high expectations. I didn't even know if I wanted to do it. It was just like, I, being in Chicago, I kind of was a Jordan and Nike head. Yeah, you know and, what I'm and saying? at the same time, I mean, New Balance's Keep It A Beam was, a brand for old white folks with bad feet. I can't publicly say that, but <laughs> yeah. Duh. Oh, I said it. So, yeah. <laughs> but how did you think when it came down to it, you're having conversations and you're like, yo, you understand what I do, who I am, and how I represent myself? Was Did you ask New Balance, like, are y'all ready for what I'm about to do? Because everything you do is kind of your own style, unique and unconventional. And you go into a, a brand like New Balance. Yeah. Well, what I learned now is I feel like you have to do one project that kill. Yeah. Just to kind of, then you can go in a room and talk your shit. Yeah. So, so I didn't realize I was doing that because it's okay. Let's look at the elements. It's it's All Star Weekend, yep. Chicago, which is like my backyard. Yeah. You have Don C dropping the shoe. That's my big bro. 
You got Kanye pulling up in tanks down the street. Yeah. He's dropping a shoe. You got my best friends dropping with Adidas, so it was tension there. Yeah. You had Chicago, all Chicago creatives getting Jordan ones. So it was just like, and here I am with New Balance on a whole other side of town. <laughs> yep. So I didn't know it was really cold outside. It was a red, pink, and turquoise, not turquoise, and tan. 992. No, no, the, um, val the, the Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just crazy. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> like I said, I had, all the elements was just like it wasn't really stacked. I didn't think it was going to do good, but I ended up be pretty much winning All-Star Weekend for the brand. Yeah. Um, you know, built a great relationship with Kawhi. Um, had Chance wear my shoes while he performed on national TV uh, during the halftime. It was just like all these moments that brands are paid big dollars for, we kind of got, not for the low, but they used this one dude in Chicago. We had a long line. We had a line of like 200 people in like negative three degrees for a New Balance, mm -hmm. which at the time I never seen. Just saying, because I'd be saying shit. They'd be like, "What happened?" '98. Um, but it was a lot of it was a lot of first. You know what I'm right. saying? I had people lined up in the cold. Uh, Kawhi pulled up. It was on the other side of town. We was, you know. So I think after that happened, and just fast forward, I think that's one of the highest selling New Balances of all time. That shoe's selling for like three, four grand now. Um, after that happened and that was successful and it was like shoe of the year, New Balance winning all these awards. And it, not because of me, New Balance did a great job of picking the right partners and letting them do what they, you know, so I don't want to take- like, We call bullshit on our podcast. That's what I'm saying. What <laughs> Just me, like not because of you. They weren't buying New Balances before that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know and that's why I need- so And that's we, know, we love, and we, no, I'm telling you like, and it's our, the only sneaker I wear. Yeah. I was uh, at Arizona's Red and Blue game, like their March Madness, yeah. and my like one of my good brothers, Channing Fry, was like, "Are you sponsored by New Balance?" <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> buying these shoes. Yeah, like, that's crazy. These ain't for free, but this is where it's coming from. So funny thing I did, um, every time somebody tweeted or Instagrammed me that that was their first time wearing New Balance, I saved it. I screenshot it. Yeah. So I screenshot hundreds of people saying that, because sometimes you just like. I'm not, I wasn't really crushing hard data. Yeah. I was just like, I sold out, the internet is buzzing, but I can't really prove to y'all that we just made a cultural shift. Yeah. It's hard to prove. Right, right. You know, right. pandemic is coming up. I don't know what's about to happen. And then one thing people don't know, I've seen a lot of my friends or just peers get one shoe and then they just quietly disappear. Yeah. Brands, a lot of these bigger brands, they, you know, they, we're coming to your town for, um, Art Basel, let's give him a art, let's give him a shoot. Yeah, and yeah. after that, the brand kind of just dumps you. Uh, Hebrew, yeah. um, <laughs> not my fault. We're gonna take. <laughs> We're gonna take. Yeah, it no, but it is. <laughs> no, that, am I lying? No, you're not. That's lying. a beam. My fault, G. No, I'm not Hebrew. I didn't mean to say <laughs> no, that. No, but show. But that's real though. That's real. That's why when people tell me like and again, like you should sign with this brand, it's just like y'all don't know how yeah. comfortable I am in my situation. So yeah, it's it 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 wasn't really a struggle. It's just like. I think it was a combination of the pandemic coming and the George Floyd, you know, that happening. And I think it, people were, a lot of black people in the community was like, yo, Joe, what is New Balance doing about any of this? You know what I'm saying? So it was like, I don't work at New Balance, I'm just a collaborator, but I have to challenge them a little bit. And they do have something called Black Souls, where it's all the black employees. So, I mean, to sum everything up, it's just like, I finally found the home. Yeah. I finally found a, a brand Give me a marketing budget. That's all I need. I need. I want to. I want to do a commercial that got flying this and that and little black kids doing this and like playing outside and just like I never had nobody to pay for some shit. That's all. <laughs> like some shit that just like marketing where I just like tough for a brand like me to pay for it. So, yeah. um, 
they made me creative director over conversations amongst us, which I pitched them. Yeah. So it was just like, that's all. Like, I don't think people know how malicious these sneaker brands are. Yeah. They can, they don't need us like that. It's like, you know what I'm saying? So I found, found, found the home. And so, I'm, no, I just, I just want to like add this. So we, we've experienced this and this happening in, in basketball more mm -hmm. than ever. And, you know, I have a conversation with football players. Entertainment has kind of taken over the endorsement of shoe brands yeah. where once before it was athletes yeah. and basketball players, you will wear basketball shoes off the court. Yeah. And so now it's going more geared more towards athleisure. And I think it's waking us up in terms of how these, how certain brands, not our brands, mm -hmm. how certain brands perceive us. And all they're saying is let's just make sure we get our stuff on certain people and we pimp out, we get the whole culture and wrap it in. And with saying that, how are you able to, you know, stay motivated, not get broken down by how, you know, capitalism in America works, uh, how influence within our community and other folks reaping the benefits of it? Like, how do you think about that when you're coming up with some of your ideas? Great question. Because I struggle with, like, and it's a lot of little fights that happen within, like, just my team. Not, like, big fights, but, like, because yeah. sometimes I, I want to push my story and it's like perfect example with Vance I think because sometimes it's just like damn I don't want a black history y'all to death because I got to sell product Yeah, I got a big team a big ass warehouse an expensive ass store so it's just like what's that fine line of uh, educating the consumer about something in black culture but also not like scam motherfuckers you yeah. know what I'm saying so it's just like like with Vance I told because I love history so yeah. I fell in love with the whole Green Book story about people traveling to Chicago yep. just like you know because yep, 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 getting yep, away yep, from yep. the south and yep. it was just like black people dealing with leisure and the first black hotels I was in a whole I was like oh shit I gotta make this whole collection based off a fictional hotel that was opening to black people and that was just I ain't gonna say it was too deep because you could be like that's a good story Joe but the clothes suck you know what I'm saying but like I think sometimes it's just like again I have no investors I have no partners yeah. so it's just like I have to be careful but I have a big team now my team yeah. is growing so like I have to be careful that some of these ideas can grow us but also I can like continue to build this legacy. And it's just like, sometimes it's just like, you know, my simple little t-shirts might sell. Yeah. Some shit that I don't really care about that much might be the shit that keep our lights on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think as a designer, you gotta kind of manage your yeah, yeah, ego sure. to make sure that every, every side of your life is happy. For sure. You once said that uh, you come up with creativity because you look at things as an inside joke and that's mm -hmm. one way you don't black flag people to death because you look at some of the stuff you did on I New Balance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you look at people on New Balance or some of your, uh, you know, your collections on New Balance. You had outside clothes. Yeah. We can correlate with that or yeah. inside voices. Mm -hmm. That was kind of, the, you know, to tend towards people or conversations amongst us. Mm -hmm. You said that's kind of, it comes from like your whole little world of like a Marvel mm -hmm. area. So discuss what else is going to come next and how you're going to continue to create a, create a story. Um. It's so funny. I'm, I'm about to create another Instagram where I kind of break down some of the stuff that I do that kind of go over people's head. We work really hard in these clothes. And legally, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm playing against the fence where it's just like, I have a, so I have a lot of stuff coming out over the next two years where it's just like, it's inspired by things I just can't say. Even this drop I just did, I'm probably gonna tell y'all to cut some of this stuff, but like, yeah. 
okay, Jordan wore New Balance for a photo shoot, okay? I'm probably the only partner at New Balance that can tell this story. All right, but I don't want to pitch Jordan Brand off, okay? But I want to do a billboard photo shoot. So it's like, there's so many things in my head where it's just like, how do I tell the world this story without getting sued? Yeah. I still get season assist to this day. Yeah. Adidas just sent me a season assist. Like, I just don't talk about it no more, but Brand still fuck with me heavy on some like, cool out, you know? But yeah, Get them badges. Man, for real, right? But as I get bigger and a little bit more bread, it's like, they could be on my ass. They could be like, all right, Joe. Now I got to see your books and boom. But um, it, it's, it's <laughs> the next few years are going to be like, a, uh, I'm, I'm really trying to shift how I tell stories. I, I proved the black shit, you know, I, and I'm always going to be rooted in black, blackness, but um, I don't want to focus on black trauma. You know, I don't want to sell stuff through our pain and mm -hmm. tears and all that shit. Mm -hmm. um, but I think now it's more so just like things that we all identify with that's not so in your face. Yeah. So that's why I want to create this whole Instagram where it's just like showing people the reason why this tag is like even that shoe right there. That's a perfect example. Yeah. Holy shit. So this came out when I dropped the outside clothes. Right. But yeah. I don't think people realize that um, I, I post that was the new shoe in that T-shirt. Like that's the 9060. Oh, yeah. So before the 9060 came out, I drew it in that T-shirt like a year before it came out, yeah, like the right. colorway. Yeah. And it's just like. Some should be like, bro, that's overly deep, but I, I wish I could tell the story about how I do that. And a lot of my work is like, I tease stuff before it drops. Y'all might not know, like I put my son name, Wolf, into a lot of my stuff. So like it's one shirt, it's called Wolfie's Hideout, it's like an old juke jam from like, so it's just like, I put birthdays of my grandparents, like in dates, so it's just like, some stuff is just like, it's like a hidden thing, you know? You sound like Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, no <laughs> so, so moving on, like Ford, we know you do a lot with the fashion and stuff, but what you've been doing pretty dope that New Balance is partnering with uh, for you with this, uh, some of your philanthropic works. Uh, yeah. I know you've been trying to get back into the community. And like you said, you want to be a superhero, you know, in Chicago try. in that sense, or try to be a superhero. Yeah. So talk about some of the stuff, uh, you know, about giving back and some of the things that you've done and, uh, you know, what's really drawing inspiration towards that. Yeah. Um, I think during the pandemic, uh, and again, y'all, I'm learning, I'm learning about taxes and a lot of stuff in real time. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, as much as I can gloat that I don't got no help, I do it by myself, independent. It's a lot of other stuff that come with that. So a lot of things that happen, I'm learning in real time. But during the pandemic, and I, I think it's just, it's been different moments in my life where I peaked that I got such a big influence and I just want, I don't want, if I can have 3,000 people lined up outside for a shoe, it's like, imagine if half of those people did something positive with me, you know what I mean? So I think I started to get kind of, I started to get kind of worried that I'm not using my influence and my little power in Chicago to kind of give back. Because mm -hmm. again, it is just you buying stuff. And sometimes I get kind of like, Nervous. I don't want to tell y'all to shop all day. Yeah. I just started getting comfortable with sending email blasts. <laughs> I just feel like that's corny. Yeah. But it's just like, no, nigga, you got to sell shit to people. Yeah. Um, but during the pandemic, I was just helping out small businesses. Um, I would make a t-shirt uh, and like all proceeds would go to these black businesses and I'll make like a quick 20K and I would just give it to like five different businesses. Yeah. You can't do no shit like that, man. <laughs> fucking up my taxes, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> And it's just stuff I didn't know. I didn't know you can't just be on some Robin Hood shit. You got, it's legally, you got to just do that the correct way. Yeah. So uh, we came up with Community Goods. And that's like the uh, nonprofit chapter of, of the brand. Um, and with the help of New Balance. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't be trying to be on a dick, but like, it's like, it's bigger than just, we gonna get this motherfucker one shoe. Right. And that's it. We're yeah. building businesses together and they believe in this infrastructure. So um, 
that was the thing. Com- uh, commun- uh, uh, community goods uh, was became a real 501c3 in uh, 2021. And I've just been using that platform uh, to build, like, uh, when it comes to, like, schools in Chicago. That's what Michelle Clark. Michelle Clark. We just yeah. take old classrooms that's not being used and turn them into, like, stores. Yeah. Cinebase stores for kids. But, so, again, New Balance just wrote a check and helped out with that. That's yeah. all. You know what I'm saying? And they don't be on some, like, Joe, be on some, like, you funny as hell. <laughs> no, Stop no, doing but, that. No, but you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking no, about. We're going to put that bro. one in there. Right? They be funny. It don't be on some, like, yo, Joe, be the black person. It don't, it just, yeah. like, just do your yeah. do your thing. So, yeah. you know, they, they, we do a lot of stuff by ourselves. So I don't want people to think that New Balance helped me with my nonprofit. They just, whenever we need something, they one of the brands that support us. Right. Before we dip, I want to ask about, uh, you know, something that was dope. You put on for Chicago wearing a, uh, Obama left the office in 2016. Oh, yeah. I think it was one of your biggest collections, but can you yes. tell us about the Obama collection, how that blew up? And I believe you said that really made you, you know, believe you could be an entrepreneur because you're making, what, 10K per hour? You're crazy. You gotta, what, what did I say to say? Because you're right, though, but damn. Uh, I'm about to have you come here for no reason, dog. I, I read it I'm, up. like, so nervous, even though I be saying figures, but no, nah, I mean, yeah. that was the moment where it was just like, oh, I don't think I need no investor. Oh, shit. Like, I mean... Life could have went totally different. Like now that I understand like IP and just like mm-hmm. things we can't do. Mm-hmm. I made a thank you Obama collection without Obama signing off on it. <laughs> like what the fuck was I doing? But it was just, for me, it was just like, oh man, I just felt the need to just like, and again, you know, I think for me, I don't know if the world understood it was when Obama won uh, be the president, it was like chaos in Chicago, Grand yeah. Park or whatever the park called. And it was just like that moment right there, just like, it was just a big moment for just people. Yeah. What do you think with his term or not? What do you like it, enjoy, whatever. But I just saying, I did, I just wanted to build like a capsule collection. Yeah. So, I mean, I did, uh, it was dope. I did a fucking a, a airbrush, uh, Michelle and Barack wedding t-shirt. It was very, that's when I started to get into my storytelling bag yeah. because it was just like each item was like, towards a different family member. Yeah. That's that picture of Malia smoking a blunt came out <laughs> and she was going to Harvard. So I did a Harvard That's Malia like, t-shirt. Yeah. At the very bottom it said, we all smoke, it's okay. Um it was just a dope collection. And, and she even wore the shirt at Yeah, I mean right? everything that could happen happened it could happen. You know, I dropped the collection. So I dropped the collection week one. It did okay. Like it did okay. It did it did smooth. My friend Chance at the time, he was being nominated for a Grammy. His career bubbling, bubbling, going crazy. He was like, "Joe, let's redrop it. Um, I'm gonna sh- like let's redrop it with me as the model, and let's put it back out." And I was just like, "Fuck, you think you gonna like?" But it made sense because at this time, Chance was huge. Yeah, yeah. So we reshot the lookbook with Chance in it, and that changed my life. That changed my life. You know, um, I remember being in. I, did, I was having a pop up in Houston, and. Um, we put everything online and it was just like I made a lot of money that overnight I, I think overnight it turned into a real business because it was just like okay cool that was the first time I did pre-sale too mm-hmm. pre-order yeah. yes. that pre-order uh, game where it was just like okay cool I just sold 7,000 t-shirts that I don't have now I gotta figure out how much it's gonna cost to, I made all this money but now I gotta figure out how much of this money is gonna take to produce this stuff right. you know so it was like it was perfect because that's like when everything got for real before we leave, man, uh, would you want to give any advice to any creatives? We had Rick Rubin on here before, and he dropped a lot of gems. But 
I can't compete with that. No, nah, you can't, bro. Yeah. You already done it. Yeah. <laughs> but what he's saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's important to be yourself. You know, I think that's that's something that I can speak. Uh, being authentic, and ultimately, I think sometimes it's all about being in the um, being in the right rooms, uh, working hard. Um, you know, learning how to get better at your craft. But honestly, just be a good person. I think for me, it's just like um, doing pop-ups as a youngin and doing this. I would go to different cities and just show love to everybody. Just be a good person. So I think for me, it's just like all the other shit, cool, work hard, blah, blah. But I would just say like, whatever you do, just like make sure you're doing it with good intentions. Just be a good person. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Well, um, it's Joey Fresh Goods. I appreciate you pulling up, man, yeah, yeah, dropping the knowledge. Uh, nothing but, uh, you know, Godspeed to you and everything that you do, everything that you touch just turns into, you know, magic. And uh, just keep pushing our movement forward. And, uh, yeah, we're going to keep we gonna keep buying it. Yeah, for sure. You already got Appreciate you, Joe. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Thank you. So we're going to the second one. Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. 